I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? Okay, today we're going to talk about culture. Yep, this is something that, if you're like me, gets neglected when you're starting a company because you're like, culture doesn't matter. I'm one person, so I'll deal deal with that later. You think you just need to focus on, hey, I got to come up with a killer idea. Okay, I've got this idea. How the heck do I find anyone that will actually buy it or use it? And then you get traction. And then all of a sudden, other people come onto the team and you start growing and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, someone's doing something and I don't like that. Oh, wait, why are they acting like that? That's not what I want this company to stand for. And then you're like, oh crap, this thing is spiraling out of control. And it's because you actually neglected the most important thing with a business, which is culture. And the reason is because you didn't think it was a priority. You're usually being more reactive than proactive. At least that's exactly what happened for me. It didn't go that bad, but it's definitely something that you want to get a grasp on. And here's the reason why. When you think about growing a business as you go from four to 10 people and even beyond that, the people that come in that are those true A players, they're the ones that take your company to the next level. It's not you. Yes, you can set the vision and do a lot of other things, but it's getting the right people and having them in the seats that could have the biggest impact. So how do you do that? If it was as simple as, hey, just go hire the smartest people, then we wouldn't even need resumes. It would just be IQ tests. But you have to find people that are uniquely positioned to be perfect for what you care about, what you stand for. I mean, you know this is important when, you know, Ben Horowitz, he's at Andreessen Horowitz, big VC firm. He wrote a book on this, on what you do is who you are, how to create your business culture. And the reason was is so many founders kept hitting this issue. He's like, I've been through this. Here's the playbook on what to do. So for me, when I hear this idea of creating culture, that sounds exhausting. It's like, what? Do I have to have like a rah-rah speech and fire people up like that? That doesn't sound very exciting. I'm not that type of person. I don't have a big megaphone. And so when going after this, I actually try to do it the opposite way. It's not some big update you have to do. It's like, all right, everybody, here's the culture update. Here's what we stand for. All right, get excited. It's actually something much smaller than that, but it's done almost as a ritual. So what are those small habitual things you can do that start to build culture for your company or for a specific team? And one way to think about that is, what are these little habits you do on a weekly, daily, quarterly basis? So let me give you some frameworks or some ways to approach this. So first, you're running your weekly stand-up, you're running the, the all hands. What do you applaud? Are you applauding people that are working hard? Are you applauding people that messed up, but then they overcame that and did something great? Are you applauding people that are extremely customer centric? Because people pick up on that. People want praise and they're going to follow where you're giving the pat on the back or whatever that is. The second thing is, what do you measure? Like us as a growth team, Obviously, we look at wins and revenue growth, but the thing that we really measure and applaud is how many experiments did we run in a quarter? So we're like, okay, we're halfway through the quarter. Oh, wow, we're at eight experiments. That's more than an experiment per week. That's amazing. And what that does is it creates the culture for us of testing and learning and iterating. And we believe if we do the input, 
the output will follow. Like the counter to that would be if someone's just praising always being right and being perfect, or maybe that's great. You have one test that's perfect in a quarter, but you're not going to be at that test and learn high testing velocity that you really want. Another thing is, you know, based on what you're trying to do, let's say you don't have this test and learn culture. You have a culture where everyone kind of has to be perfect and they're walking on eggshells. You could use this strategy. It's called the Oops Meeting. They do it at Spanx, actually, the, the shapewear brand by Sarah Blakely. On Fridays for their all hands, they have their Oops Meeting where she stands up and she talks about something she totally messed up, she botched, she dropped the ball on, and she wears it as a badge of honor. And that opens up the forum so other people can talk about that. And that creates a culture of, hey, it's okay to mess up because we're trying to innovate and do groundbreaking things. Let's say that you have a culture right now where people are kind of just like, doing the same old mundane things, how do you get them to be more innovative? How do you get them to think outside the box? There is this idea of a show and tell meeting where whether it's weekly or monthly, you task one person with the task of, okay, show us something cool or interesting that you've been working on that other people would open their eyes to, or it could be pitching a new idea. And this is fun because it actually changes the tone of a meeting. It also puts a little bit of fake pressure on it to have people try and one-up each other. So that's something you can do if you're really trying to get people to think of innovative ideas. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to maybe have your rah-rah speech. You're going to start to implement some of these tactics in your meetings or in your correspondence. But what happens when people aren't adhering to it? What happens when people aren't doing things that align with your culture? You're like, oh crap, how do I handle this? Well, first, there's this idea, you aren't what you preach, you're what you're tolerate. you are what you, okay, I just botched that, we'll go one more time. It's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. So if you talk about this idea of high testing velocity, running experiment every week, but a team or a group isn't doing that, what are you going to do? So you've got to jump on it early and immediate. So there's this idea of praise publicly, criticize privately. So within 24 hours, you just want to call that out and be like, hey, just so you know, this is what we're really trying to do here next time, or let's redo that and have it more aligned with what you care about. Hard conversations, easy life. It's not fun. Confrontation is something I shy away from quite a bit, but it is very much a necessity whenever you're running a business, especially when you're trying to build something as intangible as culture. And then one last thing, getting people into your company that align with your culture is super hard. It's so hard to screen for that. One way, and I actually talked about this in a previous podcast, is to get people to join you for your culture. The best thing you can do is be transparent and show your work. Work in public, document, don't create, put stuff out there. And not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it and how it aligns with your culture or your mission. Because what you'll see is people that are like-minded or people that value that, they will actually come to you. No, it will not be immediate results from it, but you'll be super surprised with the types of people, the caliber of talent that can come your way because you're putting yourself out there and showing the type of business, showing the culture you're trying to create. So anyone that's out there that's just getting started today and you find yourself in a room full of 10 to 15, 50 colleagues, and you're like, oh crap, you know, I've got to get my culture under control. Hopefully these are some tactics and things you can do to right the ship or at least build the company that you want to work at. So let me know what you think. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman.
Today's episode is brought to you by no one. Yep, we have zero sponsors. I haven't reached out to any companies, nor would I expect a reputable brand to give me money. But I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthIt has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman.